Today is April 14th, 2021. Protests erupt and an officer resigns after another unarmed black man is killed in Minnesota. Biden is set to remove all troops from Afghanistan by September 11th of this year, and inflation begins to tick up. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends, Split the Difference family. We got another fantastic episode for you here today, right here smack dab in the middle of your week, because we are doing our best, as always, to bring you all the good insights from the left and the right. I can say with a fair degree of certainty that this is the best podcast that we have done thus far. Mark your calendars. Today is the day. Best episode so far. We're covering all of the best stuff from the left, all the worst stuff from the left, all the best stuff from the right, and of course, the worst stuff from the right as well. And we are doing our best to split the difference and find that sweet, sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in the middle. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into our first story of the day. Story number one. So for our first story of the day, Another unarmed black man was shot and killed by a police officer within the past couple of days, uh, and protests have turned very ugly very quickly over this past week, and it has not been good. So unfortunately, I have the displeasure of doing another story about another unarmed black man uh, that was shot and killed a few days ago. His name was Duante Wright. Uh, He was a 20-year-old black male. He was stopped in what appeared to be a routine traffic stop. Uh, They pulled him out of the car and were detaining him when uh, apparently... I'm going to be asking him questions. Not totally sure. There's not a lot of information out right now around why they actually stopped him or why they were kind of detaining him. My guess is because they wanted to search his car for some reason reason or another. Uh, when Duante Wright uh, pulled away from the cop and attempted to get away by getting back in the cop, getting back in his car to pull away and run. Um, Kim Potter it was the officer that shot him. Uh, she pulled her gun out, apparently thinking that it was a taser, and then subsequently shot him in the chest, uh, and he passed away from his wounds not too far long afterwards. So um, I'm going to show a quick video. Uh, this is being reported uh, by Insider News. Uh, it was. It's going to show a, a little bit of the chief of police talking a little bit about what happened, what he thinks went on, uh, and then it's also going to show the body cam footage that Kimberly Potter was wearing at the time. Um, I will note if you are watching the video online uh, or if you're listening through the podcast, the images and the sounds may be somewhat sensitive, difficult to listen to and difficult to watch as well. Uh, So just forewarning, if you want to skip forward about uh, 45 seconds or so in the podcast, then you are welcome to do it now. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, Taser, Taser, several times. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a Taser, which is a less lethal device. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a Taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their Taser. This appears to me, from what I've viewed, and the officer's reaction and distress immediately after that this was an accidental discharge. 
that resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Wright. I'm also stressing that I do hope for the community to be patient. Okay. Um, so, uh, resulting from the news about the shooting, protesters uh, pretty much immediately took to the streets, and shortly thereafter, things got rowdy very, very quickly. Uh, Brooklyn Center, where the shooting actually took place, is only about 14 miles away from where George Floyd actually died last year. In the Derek Chauvin case, the Derek Chauvin trial, rather, I should say, is still going on right now. So tensions in this area are already extremely high. This was not the time or place for this to happen. It obviously is a horrible thing for this to happen absolutely anywhere. Uh, but this particular area has already had a ton of unrest, a ton of protests, a ton of rioting, a ton of difficulty that has gone on with the past year um, very, very recently due to... I don't want to say similar circumstances, but uh, for a lot of the same reasons why these protesters are out there. So the governor issued a curfew for the area, uh, but that did not really deter protesters very well. Uh, they surrounded the Brooklyn Center Police Department on Monday night. And there was a good bit of vandalism, around 40 arrests for a wide variety of different things. Most of them were because they were defying curfew. Uh, and looters apparently broke into a few other businesses near the police uh, headquarter location as well. Uh, protesters also took to the streets in Minneapolis, which, like I said, not too far away from where the shooting took place in Brooklyn Center. Uh, 13 people were arrested for burglaries, rioting, uh, and other things like disobeying curfew. So... Of course, people took to Twitter and other social media platforms, as they normally do, to voice their displeasure with what happened. Uh, most notably was Kamala Harris, who tweeted out, quote, prayers are not enough. Duante Wright uh, should still be with us. While an investigation is underway, our nation needs justice and healing, and Duante's family needs to know why their child is dead. They deserve answers. So currently an investigation is underway. They're trying to figure out what exactly happened based upon the body cam footage, based upon talking to the two other police officers that were there as well uh, to try and figure out kind of what went wrong and what happened. Um, but, you know, it was, it seems to be an incredibly unfortunate case um, of a shooting that happened. So in the meantime, uh, Kimberly Potter, who is a 26-year veteran of the police, the police department there um, in uh, Brooklyn Center, handed in her resignation actually yesterday, uh, saying in a statement, quote, I have loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability. But I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. So Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott announced on Tuesday uh, that Police Chief Tim Gannon, that we actually heard from in that video just now, would also be resigning. I don't know that his resigning uh, he, that he has formally resigned yet. Uh, it more of was just saying that he would be resigning in the future. Um, Mike Elliott said in a statement. I hope this will bring some calm to the community, but I think ultimately people want justice. They want full accountability under the law. So that's what we're going to continue to work towards. So uh, while the story is still developing, uh, obviously we will look out for more information as much as possible. Uh, the unfortunate is, fortunate thing is in so many of these cases, there's always so much gray area. From the body cam footage that was released, a few things do seem to be somewhat clear. 
Duante Wright uh, was obviously trying to resist any sort of arrest and was attempting to flee the scene. Uh, it is also clear that Potter, the officer, was screaming that she was going to tase him. Uh, and she also, at the very end of the video, uh, kind of like exclaimed out of surprise that she shot him. Uh, even though she was holding a pistol in her her gun in her hand. Uh, whether or not it was intentional that she shot him, obviously we don't know, and it's not my place or the time to speculate whether or not it was intentional. Um, I have a very hard time thinking that it that it was when she was purposefully screaming, uh, or that it was purposeful when she was screaming taser. Um, it just it seems like a very, very difficult, I think, argument or way to kind of skew things to say that she, you know, purposefully was out to kill, uh, Mr. Wright. Um, we don't yet know exactly why he was stopped, uh, and what the officers were trying to do when they pulled him out. Uh, we, we have very, very little information outside of, uh, the mayor and the, the chief of police there in Brooklyn center decided to release her body cam footage, uh, which kind of showed what happened. Most of the time when they release body cam footage very, very frequently, it is because the police department feels like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a clear case of what happened. Uh, I, again, you can kind of take that for what you will. Um, because obviously there are a lot of people that are incredibly upset right now. Um, the most difficult part I think about all of this to me is that so many people take to the streets uh, without really knowing what happened. And it's very understandable. Okay. On this one hand, uh, I know that so many black Americans at this point see another headline about another unarmed black person that was killed and they're absolutely outraged by it. Um, and rationally and reasonably so they are infuriated by it because it does seem like there are headlines about an unarmed black person being killed by a police officer pretty frequently, right? And, and I'm not going to get into the whole, well, yes, but there's unarmed white people that are killed too, that are, there are other unarmed minority people that are killed as well. Like, I, I get that and I hear that. However, what we see reported is almost always an unarmed black person that is killed, okay? And... um it makes sense with the history of injustice towards black people in America, why black people would be so incredibly sensitive to this issue, okay? While, at the same time, there also has to be some level of understanding that there will be some situations where an unarmed black man does not do the best, do his best to make the situation at hand any better, and oftentimes in these situations, like the footage that we've seen with Duante Wright, he was obviously purposefully resisting arrest. Uh, he was getting back into his car and trying to leave. And uh, we have to acknowledge and, and look at the very unfortunate fact that unfortunately awful things happen uh, when the police officer may or may not have meant for that thing to happen. And uh, I know that isn't a good or a justifiable answer for what happened at all, because no matter what he was doing, whether we find out that he had drugs on his person or whether we find out that he was just scared, right? It doesn't matter what he was doing. It did not appear from the footage that we could see and he was doing anything that was, uh, that was obviously worthy of death. Okay. Um, so 
It's awful, of course, that he is now passed away because of an interaction with the police, and this sows more discord and more distrust between the black community and the police officers that uh, are in and, and in and throughout the communities uh, throughout the country. Um, we have to do our best, though, I think, to to keep a level head, acknowledge the difficulties on both sides, as difficult as it may be to do that, right? There are a clear arguments and there are clear understandings that need to be had on both sides of the aisle because none of the situations are black and white. None of the interactions are uh, just completely cut and dry. You have to be able to just take the facts as they come and work towards trying to find that middle ground as much as you possibly can uh, in all of the situations that happen like this. However, incredibly unfortunate really does break my heart to be uh doing another podcast uh where i'm kind of talking through a story like this again um it's not it's not easy to say the least so with all of that having been said that is the end of our first story of the day let's go ahead and hop on into our second story story number two so for our second story of the day biden decides to pull troops all troops out of afghanistan by september 11th of 2021 so the biden administration is following the course of the trump administration that is planning on withdrawing all troops from afghanistan uh, exactly 20 years purposefully so from when the conflict began on september 11th 2001 uh, trump set in place a plan to slowly wind down troops by May 1st, uh, there were a bunch of calls uh, from progressives especially, but uh, people on both sides of the aisle for Biden to actually kind of release what he's actually going to do. Like, is he actually going to follow through and pull down, pull troops out by May 1st because that is um, like a couple weeks away? Or is he going to do something else? What is his set of, you know, basically what's his course of action going to be? Um uh, Trump said based on condition based upon conditions on the ground in Afghanistan, he was going to remove all troops from the area, uh, which is not the first time that a president has said that they were going to do that. Uh, and then it always kind of just keeps going and keeps getting the can gets, you know, just kicked down the road. Uh, Biden instead came out and said that this is going to be a hard deadline. He will be pulling troops out regardless of the conditions. So this is set to be done in coordination with other NATO countries. That's the North American Treaty Organization countries that are involved um, in the war, uh, which as of now uh, have the bulk of the troop presence in the area. So uh, currently uh, there are about 3,500 American troops and about 6,500 NATO troops in the area. Uh, so NATO troops do have a, a large presence there. However, uh, just the U.S. alone has, you know, a little over half of uh, what the amount of NATO troops that are there. Um, so uh, senior administration officials said this, quote, the president has judged that a conditions based approach that has been the approach of the last two decades is a recipe for staying in Afghanistan forever. So uh, Mr. Biden determined that Al Qaeda and affiliated groups no longer pose a threat to the American homeland and that keeping United States forces in Afghanistan is no longer necessary. Uh, American forces will be dispersed across South and Central Asia, basically enabling the Biden White House to kind of say it will remain, uh, maintain a robust military, like regional presence there, uh, and especially intelligence gathering capabilities in the area to monitor Afghanistan and some of the various Islamic state uh, and Islamic terrorist organizations that are in the area, which is who we're there fighting currently. Currently, 
Uh, so the idea and the goal is basically to pull troops out of Afghanistan while still keeping them in the region and in the area to monitor what is going on there um, so that the monitoring of the country and more specifically, you know, the various Islamic terrorist organizations can be kept under a very, very close eye. Um, I will say it should be remembered. In 2011, the Obama administration decided to pull all but 1,000 troops out of Iraq only to redeploy them later on in order to fight the Islamic State, effectively just kind of continuing the conflict for another 10 years or so in the region up until the point that we're at now. Um, Obviously, Iraq is not Afghanistan, but we have had troops in Iraq uh, and Afghanistan for uh, about 20 years now. Um, and at this point, you know, more and more presidents as they are coming in uh, are just kind of like, oh, you know, like we need to keep them there because we're worried about what will happen when we pull them out. We don't want for the government that is currently there uh, to fall apart. We don't want for the Islamic State to take hold and to start killing people uh, because that's what they do. They do some pretty horrific things. So we basically just want to have this like endless war that is going on forever and ever um, in order to kind of be able to prop up the people that are there. Um, so the Biden administration said that they are still planning on having a robust diplomatic and humanitarian influence within Afghanistan, basically to in order to kind of deter future growth from the Taliban and protect, they've said, the women and children in the country. Uh, I think what Biden is planning on and trying to do is basically to communicate with the Taliban, the Islamic State, and other Islamic terrorist organizations uh, and try to de-escalate conflicts before they come in without the use of force and without the use of actual boots on the ground. Has that worked in the past? Not really. Will it work in the future? Obviously, it's yet to be seen. However, pretty unlikely. Um, don't know how all of, the, all of it will work out. I do know that uh, there are a large portion of Americans on both sides of the aisle, however, uh, that really do kind of want to see uh, troops pulled out of the Middle East because we have been there for so long. I think at this point it actually is uh, the longest war in American history, uh, which is pretty incredible. So one of the major fears uh, with a troop drawdown is always how much risk it puts the last troops that, were, that you know, are there in. Uh, the biggest worry is that when it gets down to only a few hundred or only maybe 1,000 troops that are there, the Islamic terrorists will basically just swarm all of them and they won't have the firepower to be able to defend themselves. This is normally the argument that you hear about uh, the difficulties of a drawdown. Uh, you can't expect to basically just cart thousands of troop out, troops out of there within a day or two. Uh, it has to be incredibly well-coordinated and executed, um, and it has to be done very efficiently. Uh, and the Biden administration expects a drawdown that will take about six entire months. Uh, so one official said, Speaking about these worries, quote, we have told the Taliban in no uncertain terms that any attacks on U.S. troops as we undergo a safe and orderly withdrawal will be met with a forceful response. So which is apparent, obviously, like if they attacked a whole bunch of American troops and tried to kill a whole bunch of people as we were drawing them out, the American military would probably come in full force. Uh, but there's really another way, no other way to go about it. If you're going to pull the troops out, you have to pull the troops out just how it goes. So what's incredibly interesting about all this is how all the Democrats that were angry about Trump doing this exact same thing, like, I don't know, six months ago, uh, are totally on board with it. I mean, like, like some of the best foreign policy that they've ever seen in their entire life. Biden is a hero. He is the president that is finally going to end the decades long conflict in the Middle East 
It's all because of Biden. Biden is the man, right? Then we have the Republicans, a lot, many of which, who were all about this a couple months ago when Donald Trump said that he wanted to do it. Uh, and all of a sudden, they have changed their tune. Uh, how could Biden possibly think that things have gotten better? Uh, we have to keep troops there because we don't want a resurgence. Come on, Biden, what are you doing? Uh, it truly is amazing, uh, the world of politics. Uh, it's really about what team you're on, not having anything to do with the actual policy that is going on. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing stuff from both sides of the aisle there. So with all that, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and our last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about inflation in the United States. So what I have been calling for absolute, absolutely months now is finally beginning to happen. Uh, United States consumer prices rose sharply in March. As the economic recovery gains some momentum, uh, this is marking the start of an expected months-long pickup in inflation pressures. So the Labor Department reported Tuesday that the Consumer Price Index, uh, which basically measures what consumers pay for everyday items, we'll kind of get into that in a second, uh, but the CPI jumped 2.6% and the year ended March, okay? The highest since August of 2018. So basically from March of 2020 to March of 2021, the, C the Consumer Price Index jumped about 2.6%. Uh, and it rose a seasonally adjusted 0.6% in March from February, okay? Uh, the core consumer price index, which measures more volatile categories like food and energy, climbed 1.6% over the prior year uh, and was up 0.3% in March and uh, from February. So in case anyone is sitting here like, what in the heck is a consumer price index and why should I care? I'm glad that you asked. So the Consumer Price Index is a measure that examines the weighted average of prices of a basket of consumer goods and services, such as transportation, food, medical care, uh, gas prices, basically a whole basket, a whole range of different things that you as a consumer would go out and purchase. It is calculated by taking price changes for each item in the predetermined basket of goods and averaging them together. So changes... And the consumer price index are used to assess price changes associated with the cost of living. Okay, so you you probably have gone to work and you've had like a cost of living adjustment, right? Where like they'll give you a little bump up in your pay because of inflation or consumer cost of living going up. This is what they use to measure it. Okay, uh, the consumer price index is actually one of the most frequently used statistics for identifying periods of inflation or deflation. So in other words. It measures how much more it costs to buy the same goods with the same dollar in different times, okay? So, for example, if last year you could buy a gallon of milk for $1, which I know is absolutely ludicrous to even think that you could buy a gallon of milk for $1 because of how ridiculously expensive milk is right now, uh, but if you could buy a gallon of milk for $1 in March of 2020, of 2020, this means that in order to be able to purchase that gallon of milk now, you would have to spend about $1.02 now, right? Which doesn't sound like a whole lot, right? Like, who cares if I have to spend an extra $0.02 cents on a gallon of milk? Well... I'm glad you asked again. One of the biggest drivers of this increase in the consumer price index is actually around gasoline prices, which have increased on average by around 9.1% from a year earlier. So if you were spending $100 a month in the month of March in 2020 on gas before, on average, you are now spending $109 a month for that exact same gas, okay? 
Haven't gotten any increase in the value in the gas, right? It's just how much the gas costs. So the reason why fast inflation is not good is because wages almost never rise as quickly as inflation. How many people do you know that got a standard 9% raise last year? Right? Nobody. Uh, so, which basically means that you are making about the same amount of money that you were before, but you unfortunately have to spend more money on just the regular items that you need to live on. So, why does inflation exist? Inflation normally occurs within a growing economy. Uh, basically, businesses realize that they, they can make more money because people are out spending more money. So they charge more money for their goods and services, and people are willing to pay that extra money for those goods and services because a larger portion of the workforce force is employed, and a larger portion of the workforce as well is making more money when the economy generally is doing good. So inflation is not necessarily a bad thing when it is a lower amount over a, you know, a series or a, a longer period of time. Okay, It is actually one of the more important indicators for the overall health of an economy. However, in the situation that we find ourselves in right now, we have, an on, we have an economy that is absolutely flooded with cash because we have a gigantic amount of stimulus provided by the federal government, and we're at a place with, you know, where people who have been stuck inside of their houses for well over a year after the, quote, two weeks to flatten the curb uh, was set in place, and people are more than re ready more than ever to get out and spend some dough, okay? And not only that, but overall household savings more than doubled over this past year because the vast majority of Americans were relatively unaffected by the pandemic financially. Now, I realize, and as I've said many times on this show before, of course, there are people that were affected incredibly adversely uh, as a result of this pandemic financially. But that's not the vast majority of Americans, okay? Unemployment is now back down to the levels close to where it was pre the pandemic, okay? Uh, when you have a ton of people in an economy going out and spending more money, inflation rises much more quickly because businesses naturally charge more money for their goods and services. The Biden administration and the Federal Reserve right now are forecasting that this rise in inflation is just temporary, okay? And it's simply a result of the economy opening back up, and it's a good thing. Um, however, if prices continue to go up and inflation continues to rise, then it will have dramatic effects not just on your ability to be able to buy things, but also on the world economy as a whole. So, what most Americans don't realize is that the American dollar is pretty much the currency of the world. When I say that, I don't necessarily mean that every single country uses the American dollar in their daily transactions because, of course, that's not true. What I mean is that pretty much every single currency is pegged to the American dollar, okay? Most exchange rates in the world are dependent upon the valuation of the American dollar. Because for decades and for decades, it has been the most stable currency in the world and is backed up by the wealthiest country in the entire world. So when, when inflation in increases significantly in the United States, the value of the dollar goes down because it literally is not able to buy the things that it could before for the same amount of dollars. When that happens, it becomes more expensive to purchase things overseas, and you eventually see a decrease in the demand for those goods that are produced in other countries, hurting their economies as well, as Americans do a whole lot of buying in the world. So, I know that is a ton of information, and I threw it out very, very quickly. 
All of this is to say, I am not saying that the end of the world is just around the corner at all. But what I am saying is that when the United States government does the amount of spending that it has been doing and it plans on continuing to do with Biden rolling out a $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan that he wants to get passed through Congress here soon, it has real world effects, not just on your taxes. Okay. Yes, your taxes will have to increase in order to pay for all the stuff that the government is spending money on. Absolutely. But it also has an impact on the economy as a whole in America. And then as a result, subsequently, the economy of the entire world. Uh, it has incredibly far-reaching impacts beyond just you getting a stimulus check into your account and then you going out and buying that sweet new kayak that suddenly just had its price raised to $1,400 for some odd reason that you can't figure out. Uh, this is why I am not and have not been a big fan of any of the stimulus that has been handed out over the past year or so. It's not because I don't think that people need or want the help. Uh, it's because it has some pretty damaging effects, especially long term on many, many other things uh, that are incredibly predictable. Okay. So the Biden administration is going to try and tweak and pull things back and forth and manipulate the economy as much as possible. But I'm under the impression that that is not always the best thing to do. So with all of that, that is the end of our third story and last story of the day. Uh, let's go ahead and head on into our last segment. It's called, bro, what? So for our bro, what segment today, it's actually nothing to do with politics. It's just a pretty funny video that my wife took of some lizards fighting on our porch. So go ahead and enjoy this video. All right, so I hope that you enjoyed the video. That uh, was pretty dumb, but hopefully brightened your day. So with all of that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all, we're going to do our best to remain level-headed. We are always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.